Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Mind Split Cafe. I am your co-host, Matt Palmquist, and obviously Chris is not here today. He had a scheduling conflict, but I am so happy that our guest, um, Alexis Royal, is here with us today. She is a BSN slash RN registered nurse, and I've known, I've had the pleasure of knowing Alexis for how long now, Alexis? Like over 10 years, right? Like over 10, almost. probably 13. Yeah, yeah 13 years, right? Our, our paths mm -hmm. crossed a dozen years ago plus um, in, in a whole different vertical. Like we won't even get into that, but we've known each other and we've kept in touch. We've been friends for, for over 12 years. And, and I'm so glad that she is coming on to the show to share her story and what exactly she does now with brc recovery so alexis thank you so much for being on the show and welcome to mind split cafe thank you yeah thanks for having me so without going into detail and how we know each other right um obviously you know you were you were we worked with the the austin toros a long yeah. time ago right when we were young and just i like your story huh? why can't we share how we met Okay, well, yeah, let's do it. So I was working with the basketball ops for the uh, the basketball side of the G League, San Antonio Spurs G League team in Austin, known as the Austin Toros. And Alexis, you were doing what? I was dancing. So I was one of the Austin Toros dancer. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so we we would, our our paths would cross like on game days or certain events i know that you and i went to certain events like just community events where we you know they had to have a player or somebody from basketball ops or a dancer or whatever so you and i did a lot of events together um, because they also paid us extra to do it so that was always great right but yeah um we just always have struck a chord and, and there's just the chemistry and you were like one of the fondest people that i remember from my time in that you know during that time with the 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 spurs so it's so funny that now we're here talking about mental wellness and and mental health and we we tapped you and we're like hey i, I know somebody chris let's bring in alexis and and you were so gracious to say yes yeah yeah no i i feel like our um, our history is important right like our story our individual story is so important it's part of our journey it's part of what makes us us um and so that year, I mean, it's funny because it's like we know each other, but it's, at the same time, like you don't know exactly what's behind closed doors, right? Like you no. didn't know what I was going through. I don't know your personal struggles. Like yeah. we're showing up to do a job, to perform and to put on this um, like external, yeah, identity yeah. that we want have to show the world. But also like there's a struggle behind that, right? Yeah. And I'd like to, I'd like for you to, I, and I'm glad you are kind of making this share the story, right? Because you're right. You didn't know exactly what I was going through internally. Right. Mm -hmm. And I had my struggles, but what was it? And you've shared this off camera several times to me, but if you'd like, you know, if you want to share what exactly you were going through that kind of like helped you get to where you were such a great advocate for BRC now, yeah you know so so please do kind of share what was going on with you during that that time 12 13 years ago 
So you know me, Matt. I'm an open book. Like I really live by when your mess becomes your message. Mm -hmm. And for me, that has been um, important because it's been a place that I've been able to help a lot of other women. Mm -hmm. And I just appreciate, you know, authenticity and transparency because in a world where everything is so social media driven and we're trying mm -hmm. to be something that we're not and not showing mm -hmm. the full scope of the story, um, you know, there's just comparison culture and it makes it really hard to have like true connection and mm -hmm. authentic happiness and um so yeah so it's important for me to be transparent and I'm not ashamed of my story my journey is my journey and we all have our own individual struggles but yeah no so I that think your first... journey is amazing by the way before you share it like I know it yeah. but I think I think your your story is one to be proud of and I think Thank it's you. an amazing story so I appreciate that Matt yeah yeah so the first season, um, so I danced for the Austin, they were all the Austin Spurs the first season I danced for them and I danced for them two more seasons later and they then became the San Antonio Spurs. Mm -hmm. or, sorry, the Austin They were the Toros, now they're the Austin Spurs. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting confused. Yes, yeah. they were the Toros and then they became the Austin Spurs the second mm -hmm. time I danced for them. And that first season I danced for them, I wasn't sober. So my personal story is that of recovery so I've been in sobriety for 10 years I don't drink Congratulations. I don't use any illicit drugs I you know I um there's some people out there that can totally drink and they are fine and I have learned throughout my experience that I am not one of those people <laughs> and, so, and so my first year um on the Toros was significant for many reasons mm -hmm. for one I have using you know when I was 14 years old and that extended till I was 24 so a good 10 years and it started off as like your typical weed alcohol and then um you know it got worse and worse yeah and progressively years. just kind and, of and then I went you know and got into meth really bad and that was like a whole journey and but when I was dancing for the Toros I had um, walked through that piece of my addiction and I was like a weekend warrior, if you will. So I was drinking and partying really hard on the weekends, but like trying to sustain some type of like normalcy during the week. So okay. school, nursing school, prereqs, co-reqs. Um, and, and just so people know, you were going through nursing school at the time when you were doing this weekend warrior kind of like not very well <laughs> not very well at all <laughs> like, but i remember I when we were working together you would always you i would bump into you or whatever at the arena or in the backstage or you know in the halls or whatever at events and you would always say that you were in nursing school and yeah so I, I found that always to be like you know inspiring because you were like okay here's this this really really awesome person she's got a great head on her shoulders she's got determination and grit and she's going through nursing school she loves to dance so she's doing this for a side money like but she's just doing it for the love of dancing i never suspected that you were yeah. doing meth or like during this weekend warrior kind of facade <laughs> like i would have never guessed I know, that. People, when i tell people my story they're like i just felt like they don't even believe me but that actually brings up a really good point right because 
addiction and alcoholism is such a corroding thread through so many people's lives and in their family units. And I had amazing parents, like growing up, I was that kid that was very ambitious. I was naturally athletic school, you know, I struggled with, but I worked really hard to make good grades. I always worked really hard in whatever I did. Right. When I was Mm -hmm. 12, I went to the junior Olympics for tennis. I was second in the nation for singles and doubles. And like, I always had, well, like I always was just very ambitious. Right. And then whenever, and I worked really hard and whenever I found drinking, cause that was really the first thing that I found there was like huge release of responsibility and pressure that I put on myself. And it was a freedom that I hadn't experienced before where it's just like, I don't have anything to worry about. I don't have to be responsible. I don't have to be the best at everything. There's not Mm -hmm. competitiveness to me at all times. And um, it was just like this complete presence is how I felt when I first drank. Right. And then that's what they say. They call it like chasing the dragon, like chasing that, that feeling of Of serenity is kind of, yeah, yeah, exactly. And what age was this Alexis? when your first drink happened um freshman in high school okay yeah so i was 15 so so that was about four or five years ago right because you're, you're 21 now <laughs> yeah right <laughs> right i i was about to say i wish but i don't really wish i don't want to relive those days <laughs> i just I th- i'm doing great at 35 and this is a good time for me <laughs> Well, you don't look a day over 36. So there you go. Oh, thanks, Matt. I appreciate that. <laughs> okay, so you 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 have your first drink at 35 uh, at 35 at, at your freshman year. And mm-hmm. then and then you're you know, you're still ambitious, you're doing the weekend warrior thing. And I'm, I'm kind of still ambitious, right? Like at that no, point. Yeah, I'm not saying that you aren't anymore, but I'm just yeah. saying that I'm just trying to get in that time frame of yeah what you were going through at that moment right and so you were chasing the dragon then right you were you know you were 21 22 because i met you 13 years ago so you would have been what 24 ish 23 ish i think i was 22 that first season okay because i got sober at 24 okay yeah yeah and i was sober the second season Mm -hmm. okay So. so i remember I remember I had no idea going what you were going through that that first year, right? When you yeah. and I were working together. And then I remember seeing on Facebook that you said, Hey, I'm gonna do this for myself. I'm gonna get clean. I'm going to AA and I'm gonna get sober. Yeah. That was the first time that I had ever heard. I didn't even know you had a problem. And then you came out and admitted it. And now it's 10 years later, you've been dry since then, clean and sober. Well, not dry. There's a difference. Okay, please. So there's dry. Okay. And there's living in recovery, right? And dry is, for the most part, what happens is if you take, so people use alcohol and drugs as a coping mechanism, right? Yes. So alcohol and drugs were not the source of my problem. It was a coping skill to my internal condition, to how I felt. Like I used it to cope with life, right? Okay. And so if you're dry, all you do is you take the drinks and the drugs away from you, but you're still left with that inner turmoil, those like inner demons, those character effects, yes. and like the ways that you show up to life that maybe aren't healthy with yourself and with others. Okay. And so living in 
a life of recovery or sobriety is really whatever program you choose to use, but having mm -hmm. some type of source where you are learning, you know, how to not be codependent, how you are learning, how to love yourself, you know, you're journaling, you're meditating, you're, you're have these coping skills that are replacing your you're finding your different mind. outlets. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay. So there's well, a difference because a dry drunk can act like a drunk still just without the alcohol. <laughs> But somebody in recovery, I mean, not to say that we're perfect, because there's definitely yeah. times in my recovery where I just haven't practiced the principles and probably mm -hmm. acted like a dry drunk. But yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk. I mean, let's talk about a couple of outlets that I've obviously you've replaced the the alcohol and the drugs, right? And so, yes. what are um, what are some of the outlets that you personally have found that's helped? you to keep that 10 years that you've been practicing you know the, yeah. the recovery like what are what are things that you do is it journaling is it you've got yeah. the, this little boy like is it yeah he's time with him like what mm -hmm. you know shout out to asher like what is it that yeah. you do that, man yeah are he's you making mess. cookies for his <laughs> little league team like what are you oh yeah i don't have my life that together <laughs> <laughs> I show up and that's about it. <laughs> um, well, I think first of all, the question, so th the way I got sober is I started work. My mom put me in touch with a life coach Okay. and I wasn't sober then, but I was doing the weekend warrior stuff and I was kind of holding it together, but barely keeping my head above water. And I was just like, okay, I know my full potential and I know I'm like, overly exerting myself to the point where I'm trying so hard, but I don't feel like I'm reaping the benefits in the sense that like, I'm not truly enjoying anything. Right. Cause I'm just mm -hmm. trying to like paddle, keep my head above water at this. Yeah. Point. And so one of the things she had me do is she had me create a list of hobbies and things that I love that maybe I don't engage in anymore because I'm too busy drinking when I don't have work or school or dance. Yeah. Well, actually at that point or there wasn't any dance. And so you know, we came up with a game plan for me and the top of that game plan was how can I get back involved in dance? Because okay. I had, you know, just danced in high school on my dance team. Yeah. Um, but for me, dance brings me just that like inner peace and just joy and happiness. And that true of like, I'm living in the moment and I'm, I don't care what people think about me. I'm just enjoying yeah. myself, you know, you're really great at it, by the way. Thank I mean, you. just somebody that's seen you dance, you know, like yeah. you're really great at it. So well, I appreciate yeah. it. Now, now yeah. I dance on my knees and my sciatic hurts, but <laughs> I still try. That's, that's that old age, right? That's, that's what we're feeling, right? Yeah. I can't play basketball anymore either. So I totally get okay. it. <laughs> so, you know, the struggle. Yeah, I know the struggle. It is real. It is real. So, yeah. Um. So that first year on Toros, what it looked like for me was before that, in my addiction, I was always super codependent. So I was in a five-year relationship, then in a two-year relationship and back-to-back -back because I didn't know how to love myself. Mm -hmm. And so I always had to have somebody around me that was reassuring that I could have like draw comfort from or mm -hmm. compliment from because I didn't feel it for myself, you know? Yeah. Um, and so being on the Toros was the first time that I was really put in a place where I was surrounded by a community of women, which became a theme throughout my sobriety and still is today that I'm surrounded by like-minded women who are on 
who have the same values um, as I do in the sense that like, I wanna be a better person. I wanna have a connection to my higher power. I want to help other women, you know, whatever yeah. that looks like, whether it's sobriety or in other some like, capacity. But it was the first time I had a community of women around me, you know, was in was dancing for the Austin Spurs. And so I learned mm -hmm. how to build relationships with them. And that was detrimental to my sobriety moving forward because there were so many times throughout the years where it's like, you know, I wouldn't say so many times. There's a handful of times because the promises that I received is like the obsession to want to drink and use drugs has been removed. Um, but there has been times, you know, that, you know, we all walk through darkness and I needed them to help me through that. You needed, yeah. you needed somebody to help uplift. Like you needed yeah. that support. And these, Absolutely. these women wore that support system for you. Mm -hmm. And that story amazing. And I'm obviously I've known it for a while, right? Cause you and I are friends, but I'm so thankful that you're able to share this story on this platform because we don't know how many people you could help just by if someone listens to this you know this episode yeah. right but which leads me to my next question right so you've taken it a step further now and you are the central texas outreach specialist for brc recovery correct yes, yes. so you've taken it to another level like you've realized like hey i got help this is the support system that I needed to be successful. Mm -hmm. And now you are doing that for so many other people, whether it be women, men, whoever, like you're doing this on another level. Kind of talk about what you're doing with BRC and, and how you're, how you're helping hundreds of people. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my journey into the industry actually started off as nur a nurse. And so mm -hmm. I was a nurse for eight years. And the last six of those, I worked in acute psych and addiction medicine and naturally was just drawn to it based on my family's history, because that's a whole nother thing. And then my personal- We'll bring you back for another episode. Right? <laughs> I think we'll need, uh, we'll need like a saga, you know, <laughs> more than one episode. Um, so I worked in acute psych and addiction medicine as a nurse and was naturally drawn to it. And then, you know, I was like, okay, this is six months ago. I was like, I'm going to be turning 35 this year. And I wanted, I love nursing. Like I, I still absolutely love it. I'm passionate about it. I had the most incredible experiences with my patients. I have seen people like just miracles happen, right? People have come Fantastic. in to detox yeah just completely broken. And then, you know, I'll see them out in the community at however many years later. And they're like, I'm still sober. And remember That's when we had that conversation about God and like, it was very impactful. And now I work in recovery. And so it's just a really beautiful journey. Um, but then, yeah, so I just wanted, I wanted to try something new. You know, I, I feel like I have like a natural adventurous spirit. And so I just like to experience everything. And so I uh, started looking for basically business development jobs in treatment. Okay. And I was hired on by BRC Recovery to be their outreach specialist. And so with my experience as a nurse, my focus is really to get in to hospitals or work with primary care physicians and other medical facilities to be like, hey, this is our program. We have these services. 
Um, if you know of anybody, if you have any patients that come in, maybe in an overdose or complications from alcoholism that really needs, you know, detox or residential treatment or the aftercare component. And I tell them too, because this is true, right? Like my job is not to just get people in the door for my, my facility. Like yeah. I love my program. I am so passionate about my program and what we do. And I know that we change lives, but at the end of the day, like we are not the only program and sometimes the willingness to even go into treatment isn't there and then mm -hmm. sometimes it comes and then it's so fleeting and it goes so if they just need community resources like hey i need a list of aa meetings or na meetings or i need a therapist and you know my job is not just to get people through the door at brc my mm -hmm. job is to really just to help people yeah to help people yeah. at the end of the day you know so what is a good day for you like i mean not just personally but like you know, there's everybody has different jobs, right? Yeah. Whether, you know, but and everybody has milestones or there's an ROI or whatever. If it's a salesperson, you hit your goal for the year or whatever, mm -hmm. whatever the, the, the milestone is. What is a good day for Alexis? What does a good day look like for you where you're like totally like just like, hey, I am on the right track. Yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I mean, I'll give you an example. The other day, um, a case manager from a hospital called me and she had a patient there that was willing, you know, possibly willing to go to treatment. And if I could come in and talk to her. And that is definitely a part of my job as a nurse that I miss having that much patient interaction. Mm -hmm. But like getting to be able to go in and speak to the patients is huge, right? And so she was a 52 year old woman has never been to treatment before, but had a brand new grandbaby that she wanted to be a part of his life. And, you know, the family set boundaries with her, like, you've got to get sober. That was, and yeah. rightfully so. And I, I think that's great because that thrusts her into having that slight willingness to even have a conversation. And she couldn't come, she didn't end up being able to come to us just because of uh, insurance gap. But I partner with other facilities that I vetted and that I trust and believe in. And, you know, this other facility I'd actually been a nurse at. And so I was able to get her into the other program. And um, that was the first time in 52 years she had ever gone to treatment. Wow. To me, that's a win, you know, yeah. and it, I just think that's so beautiful. And then that is course, beautiful. Yeah. If they come to BRC, then I, I love that just as much. So. But yeah, of course, <laughs> you want them to come through your doors, right? Just because. Yeah you know, that that's, that's, that's who pays, you know, your mortgage. Right. But well, like, and I work for an incredible company and we have a beautiful program, you know, and I just yeah. know that it is extremely beneficial. But the fact that you, you know, you help this woman 52 year, 52 years old, right. Mm -hmm. No telling how long she's had this addiction. Right. But yeah. Now she time. realized that she needed she needed the the mm -hmm. treatment or she needed the help, and you were the person that walks through that door that says, "Hey, I can help you," whether it not be at BRC or whatever, just because of insurance. But you were the one that helped her get into a program. Yeah, that has to feel so gratifying. Like that, it, just mm -hmm. you you've got to be over the moon on that. Yeah, I mean that's a good ex yeah good phrase for it. So yeah. It's like a feeling like you get it like right here, like in your chest and your throat and you're just like overwhelmed with joy or like excitement for someone else in their journey. 
So I think I can, that's see, how I can see how you're lighting up right now. Uh -huh. You were just like, you were just so happy that you were able to help. Right. Mm -hmm. now, how many, how many, you know, obviously addiction and, and there's so many stories of uh, addiction. How many good days do you usually string together in a week? Like, is, is this happening every day or is this kind of like a once a month type thing or like, how often are you helping these these type of people? The industry is cyclical, right? It's very cyclical. People are more willing to go to treatment, you know, October through November, December on the colder months. During the summer and the holidays, people don't want to be in treatment. So they're mm -hmm. usually, I mean, honestly, I would have wanted to go this summer because it was so hot down here in Texas. It was like 105 for like 90 days straight. I'm being like, please take me, <laughs> take Put me. Put me conditioning and I'm just, oh, it's brutal. Yeah. It is brutal, but um, it's cyclical. So it depends on the season. It depends, you know, some months you're busier and some months you're not. Yeah. Um, it's like with any vertical, right? But, it just, it kind of goes up and down, right? Yeah. So, but every um, day we're at least doing outreach. And so, for example, last week, I went to San Antonio and one of our therapists spoke at the peer support training for our first responders. So police, fire, and EMS. Mm -hmm. and so, you know, they put one of the, um, the fire department psychologists put together a training, a I believe it's quarterly training. Don't quote me on that, but where, you know, people come and they speak to our first responders about the importance of like self-care, mental health, PTSD, right? Mm -hmm. And so we're constantly doing outreach in the sense that I go with my therapist, I get to talk one-on-one -on -one with the officers, with the firefighters, and that's that's just a cool experience in itself. And I even, I actually got to go give lunch to the cadets, which are the firefighters in training, and they're set to graduate in two weeks. Okay. And they needed... Um, an extra person for their role play training and so okay. I got to be the drunk decompensated woman which I played amazingly <laughs> so, now, now you're nominated for oh, are you nominated for a Razzie yeah. or, or, almost or, or a Grammy but I'm pretty sure that's music so yeah, no know. Grammy's like music yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you would have got a Razzie or you would have got a uh, an Emmy or uh, an Oscar right those are the, yeah. those are the actor the actor ones so you so not only are you a recovery specialist you're an actress mm -hmm. right yeah. so okay <laughs> did they did they critique your performance did they say you you know you oh you, they said i did amazing really <laughs> i mean i did great for improv for first time improv is there any I video was... of this can we get video to share on our on our i don't know if they took video i don't think they did but i'll ask roy yeah if you do yeah <laughs> Text it to me and we'll share it. Be like, this is what uh -huh. this is what she does. This yeah, is what... I had a, a fake glass of bourbon. It was tea. It was just sweet okay. tea, no bourbon in it. So I was, I was drinking that and giving him a hard time for listening to Little Uzi. Although I, I like <laughs> you like Little Uzi. <laughs> yeah, I do. But I was just harassing him because they were, you know, they're like twenty year old, soon to be firefighters. And yeah. So. Oh wow. That that not only is she recovery specialist, she does acting on the side mm -hmm. and she dances. You are an amazing soul that is helping so many people. And I can't begin to say how much I appreciate you and our friendship and, and what you're doing for the community because 
you are a pillar of strength so thank you alexis thank you well, it takes a village man it takes a village i have an amazing team by me so well in closing if someone needs to get in touch with you how can they find you if they've got loved ones or them themselves need help how do they contact alexis where you can kind of help them yeah absolutely i can leave my phone number and my email address and that's the best reach yeah i have my phone on me at all times yeah text me text me your email uh, your work email and your office number um, or whatever like we weren't supposed to come up with something this clean (laughs) like something happened in the captions so that way yeah and i'll also um put our company website and Please. admissions line yeah i yeah. always that'll be fantastic yeah and people are welcome to call me too if they just have i have some people that have like hey i'm going through something i've been drinking more than normal lately what do you think i can like hopefully just help them process that information and let them kind of figure it out for themselves but ask them the relevant questions you know, or I'm probably going to go down the, I'm probably going to go down a road that's going to venture us into another 20 minutes of conversation. Right. But Uh what is it? How do you distinguish the blurred line to where, Mm -hmm. Hey, someone just needs to kind of let off some steam and just like to, they just need a night full of whiskey or it is becoming a real problem. And this is something that is needs to be identified and be treated does that make sense yeah no absolutely yeah so how do you distinguish that blurred line of hey he's just letting off some steam or this is beginning to be a real problem well and sometimes it can be hard right because our society is so culturally driven towards alcohol 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 we have to have alcohol for every type of social interaction Mm -hmm. um and so it can get confusing because it's like am i just like doing what our culture does or do i have a problem and yeah for me and everyone's story is different right because being in sobriety for a long time i've heard a lot of stories for me the first time i it's like, I immediately wanted more. I immediately wanted more. Some people it's a progressive thing where maybe at one point they, you know, drank socially and then maybe they had a death of a loved one and they started drinking heavily. And when they tried to dial it back, they had almost like crossed that line of no return because it can change the brain chemistry and the way your body reacts to alcohol um and so for me it's like I was experiencing consequences of my alcoholism and even when I wanted to dial back or I wanted to quit I couldn't you know Mm. and so it's like I those consequences but yet I couldn't change anything about the way I drink even when I wanted to and so I think that's usually a pretty clear indication that hey there might be a problem here and maybe I need to explore that more. If I'm having, con- if people around you are saying, "Hey, you've been drinking a lot," that's Not a pretty bad. big red flag, you know. Yeah. yeah. If so, you're starting to feel guilty about your drinking, yeah, that's so kind of a red flag just, too. Just when you were doing the weekend warrior thing, were you cognizant of like, "Hey, this is becoming exhausting. Like, I'm, I probably should dial back a little bit. Like, I, I don't want to do this anymore." But then it was kind of you would cross that line to where it was like there was nothing you could do that you just craved it is that is that the under 
Well, but even at that point, I had gone to a few treatment facilities. So I went to my first rehab in high school and then out of high school, I went to my second one. And then by then I think I had already been to three. And so I already knew where I stood personally with alcohol and drugs. And so I was just trying so hard to control it. And I think that's another red flag, right? Like normal people who have a normal reaction to alcohol, they don't have to like work to control how much they drink. Mm -hmm. They can drink a glass of wine, maybe start on the second and there's a little bit left and they put it down on the table and they don't think twice about it. They just go to bed, brush teeth, go to bed. Yeah. People that have a tendency to be or are alcoholics, it's like I might have had a night where I didn't drink that whole glass of wine, but I can guarantee you it drove me crazy that I couldn't drink that whole glass of wine. I had to really work to not drink that glass of wine. And I obsessively thought about it until I went to bed, you know, like that's not a normal reaction. And that finished glass, did that turn into hey? Hey, there's more in that bottle. I should probably finish that bottle. Yeah, probably usually <laughs> for me personally. Wow. <laughs> wow. That is that my, my, my grandma, she's 50 years. She was 50 years sober and she, you know, I remember being seven, eight years old and she took me to my, to, to a meetings. And at seven, eight years old, I didn't know. I thought my grandma was like a boss, right? She she could take her grandson to a meeting. Like she was controlling yeah. the meeting. So that was the first time I ever had donut holes and-, and <laughs> Coffee? Uh, no. <laughs> like I guess not coffee at seven. Yeah. No, I never, I, I'm not a <laughs> coffee stunts your growth. So I don't drink coffee, right? Well, but, clearly you had no coffee your entire yeah, life because you're like 10 feet tall. Coffee. Yeah, but um, the little- um, the little cars, the Hot Wheels cars, like oh. that was that was Hot Wheels and donut holes. I knew that kind of like Pavlov's <laughs> dog, right? Uh -huh. I go to a meeting with Grandma. I'm getting Hot Wheels and I'm getting donut holes, but I had no idea that where she was going. She was going to these meetings mm -hmm. on a nightly basis, and she doing her best to to stay sober. She did. Did she stay sober? She did until Good. she passed away several years ago. But she was she. She, you know, when she passed, she was 50 years sober. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. So I'm I'm really proud of my grandma. I'm really that's, really, that's my mom's mom. So that's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. That's so, amazing. I, I'm sure it's a struggle every day for any addict, whether it be alcohol or drugs. And and I don't know what yeah. that's like. Um well, but I I I I admire anybody that's going through it just because the strength that they have. It's a strength well, that you can't really judge. Like you can't do, you know, it's, you can't do a test like, Hey, I can do, you know, five chin ups or, you know, 37 bench press, you know, or whatever. There's no way to measure strength of the mind where you're like, I'm going to put that glass down and I'm not going to pick it up. You know, that's, yeah. that's a strength that can't be measured, you know? So yeah. kudos to anybody that's dealing with that. Well, and I think, I, I hear what you're saying. I think it's a, there's a slight misconception because I think if you're not dry and like you're working some type of program that fulfills you, you don't have that daily struggle, right? Like there's been, there's periods of your sobriety, like especially in, for me in early sobriety that were harder, right? Because I'm trying to formulate a whole new life, new habits, mm -hmm. a new way of living. Um, and that takes time. 
habits take time to develop and grow and become part of just your experience and daily living. Mm -hmm. But, um, if you're the promises that were given to me was that like I would be able to live a life where I don't obsessive I don't obsessively think about alcohol and drugs and that's mm-hmm. the freedom that I've had you know the blessing of experiencing over my last ten yeah, years. Doesn't that just, that's yeah. that's glorious. That's fantastic. Yeah, you are an amazing soul, and I thank you for joining us on this week's episode of Mind Split Cafe. Alexis, you are welcome back anytime you want. We are going to have you back. And I just can't say enough about you that I am I admire you so much. And, and you've just been a wonderful, wonderful guest. And thank you for sharing your story. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you, Matt. You know, I do. You have a light to you. Absolutely. I, I try. I try to have a light. Mm-hmm. I try to have a light. But Thank you so much. We'll see you soon, guys. Tune in next week for another great episode of Mind Split Cafe. And we will see you next week. Thanks, Alexis. Bye. Thank you. Like we weren't supposed to come up with something this clean. <laughs> you know, like something happened.